Morning, Jim. Hey, good morning, Jay. All right, so let's uh, take a look at some of the things that went down last night. The uh, Timberwolves end up losing to Philadelphia, 117-94, a blowout victory. Uh, Joel Embiid had a big night with 39 points. Your thoughts on this Wolves loss? Embiid had 39 points in three quarters. Um, you know, The Wolves actually started off pretty well. Anthony Edwards carried them in the first quarter. They were up by three points after one, and then... They just stopped playing offense. Uh, ball, bad ball movement, bad shooting, no flow. Uh, it was just bad basketball for the, for the last three quarters. Embiid just got to do whatever he wanted. And once the game was a little out of hand, they decided to rest Gobert. Uh, Embiid just was too much for anybody, including Gobert. Um, so disappointing defensive effort, uh, on Embiid. Disappointing offensive effort for a team that had been moving the ball and, and playing beautifully on that last West Coast road trip. Um, also, you know, big picture. I try to always bring it back to big picture. Uh, 76ers are a better team than there and 76ers are healthy and the 76ers, you know, the better team won. So we shouldn't be too shocked by that. Uh, you know, Embiid was the best player on the court and, uh, and the 76ers are just a better team. And the Wolves dropped to seventh, at least for now, just a half game out of, you know, fifth and sixth in the Western Conference. Um, how about Carl Anthony Towns? I guess I think it was yesterday I heard that uh, he's doing some basketball activities now. Is, is he coming back at some point? Yeah, we asked Finch about that before the game. And, uh, you know, I ended up writing a column about it. Uh, basically, you know, our guy Chris Hine asked him, hey, said, hey, a couple weeks ago, you guys talked about him being, uh, I don't know what the phrase they used was on the, on the way back or whatever like that. And, and Finch it kind of laughed and said, yep, he's still on the way back. I mean, you know, almost like it's a joke to the organization that they're withholding information. Finch is a good guy. I don't want to bash him too much. I think this is probably a Tim Connolly decision, but this, it's gotten ridiculous. It's been a hundred days. Um, and the team isn't telling us anything. And I just think that's wrong. I think that's on Connolly. I also think it's, it very well could be the town's camp saying, we don't want it. You know, this talked about, we don't want anything out there, but you know, have a backbone, you know, you're, you're getting paid like $10 million a year to, to run an organization, have a backbone and, and tell us what's happening with you know, the guy who not that long ago was considered the best player in the franchise. Is Carl Anthony Towns going to be with the team going into next year? Are they going to trade him in the off season? I would, well, let's put it this way. There's no basketball reason to trade him right now. The whole, point of trading for Gobert was thinking that Gobert, Towns, and Ant were going to be your big three going forward, and it was going to be a chance to be great. Um, so there's no basketball reason to trade Towns, and Towns tried harder than anybody to try to play well with Gobert early in the season. It was a work in progress, but he was very unselfish in terms of trying to get Gobert involved. Um, I think this could be a great team if Towns comes back and plays well. So there's no basketball reason to trade him. The question is, and that's what I'm getting into here, the question is, is there something going on behind the scenes between the Towns camp and the Wolves that is problematic? Is that the reason they're not giving out any information? Is that the reason they've been so secret? We don't know, but it, the longer they go without actually being forthcoming, the more you are allowed to speculate or, or think that there's something going on here. Do you see, I mean, since they, I mean, they've been playing all year without him. And, and they're still a playoff team right now, a game above 500. Um, are, how much better are they with him, Jim? Much. Okay. Uh, like, and it, he's a 6'11 guy who runs the court well, who draws fouls. He's their best three point shooter. Uh, at the very least, you put Towns in the corner. 
your best three-point shooter in taking the easiest three-point shots. You have Ant working the middle. You have Gobert occupying bodies inside. You have other good three-point shooters on the team now. At the very least, Towns is going to score a lot of points and make that team almost impossible to defend. At the very least. And that's if he doesn't go back to being one of the best young big men offensive players in NBA history. He's also 6'11 and agile, so even though he's not a great defender, he's still he's still a good rebounder. You know, he's still he's he might he might be your best offensive player and your best rebounder. Pretending this fan notion that you're better off without him is bonkers. Jim, so where would they be with Towns? Would they be top four in the Western Conference? Well, last year without Gobert. Uh, they finished 10 games over 500, win a play-in game, and had a chance to, you know, they, they choked it away, but they had a chance to beat a really good Memphis team in the playoffs. So this year they are one game above 500. So I would think they're about nine games better with Carl Vanny Hands out there. Uh, the Minnesota Wilds uh, end up losing in an overtime shootout. Still get a point out of the deal against Calgary. Uh, Jared Spurgeon had a goal in the overtime uh, penalty. It sounds like the Wilds were like, yeah, the penalty was right. Um your thoughts on the wild game last night against Calgary? Yeah, just kind of a really flat performance against a team you should probably beat at home. Um, so I would say it's disappointing result uh, for a team that's been playing really well. It also, once again, when we talk about the NBA, the NHL, and baseball, these seasons where they just play constantly, uh, you're going to have letdowns. You're going to have bad games. It's going to happen. There's, they still are on a, a remarkable streak here uh they are playing extremely well so you know you have one game and nobody and the puck doesn't go in i wouldn't panic it also it also points out the nature of this team which is goals are still at a premium in any given night you know if kaprizov doesn't do something they could get shut out uh jim some other things going on the twins yesterday end up coming from behind they knock off the orioles seven to six uh jose miranda another home run for him he's hit four this spring um, what is the high end on home runs for him? I mean, could he be a guy that could hit 25 to 30? Oh yeah, I think so. He, he's a strong guy. He, uh, he has a great approach at the plate. He is good at identifying pitches he can drive. Uh, I, I like everything about him as a hitter. He's still got to listen. He's still a young player. He still has to prove that he can adjust to the adjustments that other teams make to him. That is the, the essence of big league hitting, but I like everything about him. Uh, he's got bat speed. He's got power. He's a strong guy. Uh, again, calm in the box, you know, good mechanics, uh, good attitude. I, I, I just, yeah, I think he's a, you know, if I had to put a guesstimate on him, assuming health, I would guess you should hope for 25 homers, good run production, uh, reasonable amount of walks, decent on base percentage, decent batting average, high slugging percentage is what I would, I would look for from him. Kenta Maeda goes two and two thirds innings for the Twins yesterday. Um, they're starting to, you know, pitch him a little bit more. Um, it, what is an expectation for him? Um, as far as how many innings he might be able to get early on in the season and the type of year he might be able to have? I would think that early in the season, they're going to try to get him like four innings and get him out. And let, let's say, let's say the first couple of weeks, they put him on the mound and he pitches well. And he gets through like four innings, you know, one run, two hits, one walk. 
they might say, okay, that's enough work for him coming off that injury, and let's get him out of the game while he feels good physically and he feels encouraged about what he's doing. Um, and then I would think that every each couple of weeks, as long as he's healthy and pitching well, they'll try to ramp that up to where you know he's one of their many pitchers who can give them seven innings later in the season. But I, I think that he coming off his injury and Malley coming off some shoulder soreness and fatigue, I think those will be the two starters that are the most cautious with. Jim, things going on in the NFL. Derek Carr is going to the Saints. Uh, sounds like Aaron Rodgers could be going to the Jets. I mean, what's going on with that? Yeah, Carr signs with the Saints. Um, I think, uh, you know, listen, I, I think Carr really destroyed his stock last year. Um, I don't, I wouldn't have high, really high expectations of him playing with the Saints, but they needed a quarterback. You know, he is a quarterback. He's an NFL quarterback. Uh, Rodgers is talking to the Jets. That has to me, seemed like the logical landing place for him all along. Really good young team, good defense, uh, probably the worst, one of the worst quarterback situations in the league. They can dramatically upgrade by, by trading for Rodgers. Uh, I, now, you know, personally, if I'm an NFL team, I don't want Rodgers. That's me personally. But if you're the Jets and you just came through a season where you had no quarterback play and you feel like you're on the verge of something, it does make sense to sign the best quarterback available or to trade for the best available quarterback on the market. Uh, as far as uh, decisions Vikings might be making, um, as we're getting closer here, we, we know that salary cap certainly took a little bit of a relief with Eric Hendricks. Are there some other players that could really give them some additional salary cap relief that they're expecting they're going to have to do something with, either cut or restructure? Yeah, and it's the same list we've been talking about since the end of the season. And really, I think March 17th is like the next big date coming up and and what's happening is they're talking to all these agents and saying okay here's here's what we'd be willing to pay your player for this next year and there there are players i think they'll just flat out cut like i expect them to just cut jordan hicks and they'll save about five million dollars there there are other players that they would like to have back at a certain level they're going to offer them that restructure if the player turns it down they will release them but those are you know, those are ongoing conversations. We don't know when any of them are going to pop. It's still a mystery whether Thielen's going to be back. Uh, still a mystery exactly how they're going to hand, handle Harrison Smith. I think I've heard that Zaria Smith put his house on the market. I don't know if that means he's definitely not coming back. He put the house on the market before they hired Brian Flores. We don't know whether Flores wants him back or not. You know, it's the same, it's the same group of players. Thielen, Peterson, Harrison Smith. Um, you know, I think you could see maybe CJ Ham get cut, uh, even though he's been a wonderful player. I just don't know if they're going to spend a lot of money at fullback in an offense that doesn't use fullbacks much. Um, so it's, it's that same group we've been talking about, and I think over the next, you know, whatever, week to 10 days, I think you'll see a lot of movement. Jim, go for men's basketball, playing the Big Ten tournament against Nebraska around 8 o'clock tonight in Chicago. Um, a lot of times after seasons end, we see some players put their names in transfer portals. Any speculation as to what you might see with this Gopher team and what this might be a sign of if we see a bunch of players do it? Well, you know, the, the Evans decommit was terrible for the program. Battle leaving is terrible for the program. Um, and I honestly, they're at a point now where, I mean, they only have really one returning player that you would feel really terrible about if he left, and that's Dawson Garcia. You know, if Garcia stays and you bring Christie in, um, and then, and Johnson's able to develop a bunch of the other younger players, then maybe they have a fighting chance next year. Um, but if you lose Garcia, 
it, it would feel like you're starting all over. And Garcia's got one year of eligibility left? I believe that's right, yeah. All right, Jim, what do you got in your podcast? Uh, let's see, we're going to get a good John Krasinski show out today. We had a, a glitch yesterday, but we'll be releasing it later today. We're going to do a Viking update show today, talking about all their moves and Kendrickson and the great KJ Osborne story and everything is at talknorth.com. All right, Jim, thank you. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks, Jim. It's Jim Suhan, Star Tribune Sports columnist, joining us every weekday morning at this time. Follow him on Twitter at Suhan Strib. Check out his latest column in the Star Tribune or his podcast at talknorth.com. Coming up next on WJON, World of National News from ABC.